0: So you went from doing a little over $900,000 at negative profitability to now trending for three to 3.5 at a 15 to 20% net after your comp, taking paternity leave, you don't run your company, you have an integrator. That's a pretty big shift, two years in. How does that happen in two years? So I'll probably just start with like an intro.
1: Are we actually live? Are we- okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, we'll do it live. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Five,
0: four, three. Nope. It's not live. This is recording. And then I edit it a lot. I do a lot of editing. Yeah. So we'll probably record for about an hour and then there'll be a 20 to 30 minute clip when I'm done.
1: Sounds good.
0: you Christian. Well, today we have I, Adam Winezettel on the show today with JMJ Painters. Welcome. Welcome, Adam. Thanks. Fun. Good to see great, you. Great to have you here. You are a painting business owner. Why are you that? Why did you get into painting? Why do you own a painting company?
1: Not what I planned on doing. I graduated college. I went and sold insurance and financial services. So basically insurance with Northwestern Mutual. Our customized business plans. Another leadership innovation available only from agents with Northwestern Mutual Life the quiet company. We I mean, did that for about a year and a half, was doing well, had an employee and then got married. Day one of the honeymoon, I felt the call on my heart in prayer, just, hey, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. She said, okay, well, let's, yeah, we'll pray about that. We'll, and then we talked about it and we're like, yeah, I think this is I think this is what we're called to do. Uh, called so to quit. quit, called to quit yeah. your job. Yeah. But did you have painting as nope. an idea then? Nope. No plan, no nothing. Okay. Just, just quit the job. So I get home and sitting with my in-laws and I'm going to quit my job. And he said, Oh, that's great. What are you going to do? thought about doing a ministry um, and then just said, you know, we're, we feel like we're called into the marketplace. My wife's grandpa was a builder. The trades are kind of in the family. I have no background in the trades. I could learn to build a house or I could learn one trade. What's the quickest trade to learn? Probably painting. So Hmm. I started painting and I painted for two weeks and I'm like, my back hurts. I'm terrible at this. I could spend 10 years getting really good at this, or I could go hire guys who are good at it and got rolling. That was in 2019.
0: Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. When you are painting a house, how do you paint a house?
1: You hire painters and they go paint it and you make sure everything got done.
0: And do you like to start with the siding or the trim?
1: Depends on the color. It depends on like are we doing window trim and depends are the soffits going trim color. What's the worst place that
0: you have spilt paint?
1: We had a dog roll in some paint that got spilled in a yard like peel bond primer and didn't tell the, the dog primer. was rolling around in peel bond. So the bag went and rolled around in it. And, and then I found out that after the job was done, the client just cleaned it up and was like, Hey, just so you know, and I was like, come on.
0: We call those paint mares instead of oh, nightmares, man. paint mares.
1: Yeah. I've spilled in just about every single car that I own. This doesn't really count as spilling paint, but this is when I knew I needed to get off the job site. Every time I go on site, I'm like, oh, is this wall dry? And I touched the wall to like, see if it's dry. I'm like, that's when I knew I'm not cut out. Classic to be production manager. Owners
0: on the job site today. Ugh, yep. Adams, Adam's here. Yep. Something else that's interesting about you, you are the second partner at of Holdings. Why did you
1: partner with of Holdings? For me entering the partnership, I saw an opportunity to build a stable asset. And that was something I had no idea how to do by myself. Getting to a place where I can lead instead of run everything and run around doing everything was the biggest piece in the world. So you had ran a business
0: on your own in 2019. What was the top line revenue and then profitability that year?
1: Yeah, like a hundred grand and negative 3,000 profitability. And
0: then 2020?
1: We were at 500 grand. we are actually profitable that year. How much of that went to pay me and how much of that was profit? I'm not really sure. sure. Yeah, we probably pulled 90 grand. Yep, for your comp. Yeah. 2021? We were at 950 produced. Profitability was like negative 3% again.
0: And then 2022 was the first year you're partnering
1: with Olaf. What did yep. that look like? Scaled up to 1.65. Profitability was 5% net. After big, comp. Yeah, after comp. After and good comp. So <laughs> Great. Yeah.
0: This is being recorded mid-July. What does the trend look like this year?
1: It passed 3 million. We're pushing for 3.5. If we hit 3 million, we'll 15% net. 3.5 plus to twenty. 20.
0: That's so, net after comp. Yeah. And what is your role in your painting business?
1: This year in a full-on management role, acting sales manager and visionary. And then we got help from the partners to do some of the marketing help, some of the financial help. And then we brought in a really solid integrator production manager. So I'm in visionary seat. which is my favorite sales manager. So who runs the company? Right now it's Jacob. He's the operations guy. So he's essentially like a general manager, COO. He takes the plan and takes the things in my brain and he makes it occur. And he's able to take these ideas or see the problems in a way that he can break it down to practical steps to execute and then pass that down to the team so that they can execute. I'm good at building a plan, but I'm not great at making the plan happen. I'm not doing any sales. I'm not managing any projects. I'm not doing administrative work. My entire role and focus is working with our team, developing our team, helping them grow and excel in their roles, and doing big picture thinking for the company so that we can continue to grow and continue to accomplish the ultimate mission. How does that happen in two years? This is really hard what we're doing right now, but we're building the systems, we're getting the foundation built so that we can then go and hire more people and really scale this thing. The jump from one to 1.6 was harder than 1.6 to three. And it was- We had to critical... build the
0: foundation first.
1: Yeah. And to have the infrastructure so that we could hire management. To have a really high quality company, you either need to be small enough where the owner can be in everything, or you need to be large enough to afford a really solid management structure that can really pour into your people and support your people. It's the people who are running it right now, they're all doing amazing. They're wonderful people and they get the culture that we're building and they're just fun to work with. Without me being able to step out of sales, I wouldn't have been able to solve some of the problems that we needed to. I think it's really critical if you're going to scale, you've got to, just commit to being in a management role. I don't think you can do it and be kind of doing the day-to-day work. It's not going to happen.
0: There's this thought I've been trying to think through. Maybe you could help me imagine that there's a turtle, there's a turtle and a rabbit and they're racing. The turtle starts off with a head start and goes maybe this far, actually from your view, they go this way, goes this far. And now the rabbit gets to start after the turtle's halfway to the end. Now the rabbit starts to go and catch up, but by the time that the rabbit is caught up, the turtle has moved a little bit. So now the rabbit has to catch up again. But by the time the rabbit catches up again, that turtle has moved a little bit again. So now the rabbit has to catch up again. That turtle has, by that point, already moved a little bit. Does the rabbit ever overtake the turtle?
1: Not if the rabbit's only going to catch the turtle. If the goal is to catch the turtle, then no.
0: It's a race. They're trying to get to the finish line. If it's a
1: race, then where the turtle is doesn't matter. Then the rabbit should just run.
0: Well, the rabbit is running. But I'm saying by the time that the rabbit catches up to the turtle, the turtle has moved.
1: Okay, so if it's a 10-unit race. Yes. The turtle goes... Yeah, 10-unit race. The The turtle turtle 5-unit.
0: 5-unit head start.
1: Okay. How fast is the turtle going? Probably one... By the time the turtle...
0: Gets to five. The rabbit has moved zero, because so it hasn't started yet. Yep. Now the rabbit gets to go. So the rabbit goes up to catch up to the turtle, which was which was at five. Yep. But now and the now turtle is now six. at six.
1: So your turtle's moving at one unit per time, yes. and your rabbit's using it five units per time. So yes, your turtle should move one more unit, and your rabbit should finish the race, unless the rabbit gets lazy. But what it, what, hap-
0: what what about the idea that the turtle? Wait, hold on. The rabbit is going to move one unit. and Why would the rabbit move? use? Why would the rabbit move one unit? I'm just looking at the microscope of this race. By the time by the time the rabbit moves one unit, the turtle will have moved 0.2 units. And then by the time the rabbit moves two units, the turtle will have moved some number. That's hard to, cal- yeah. to calculate. And so it just feels like the rabbit will never catch the turtle.
1: No, because you, so you're, so, all right. So right, you're, you're at five and zero. Your turtle goes another one. He's at six. Your rabbit goes five. So now you're, now your positioning is, turtle six rabbit five and then they just they get like infinitely small movements that's only if he's trying to catch the turtle though if he's trying to finish the race then your next unit of time your turtle moves one and your rabbit moves five or if if we just look at the
0: distances and not the time because time is time is an illusion (laughs) is it an illusion yes (sighs) time is space and gravity
1: okay so in that unit of space and gravity yes the rabbit moves quicker
0: i don't know if it ever catches the turtle though the funny thing is it does practically, but it does. in this thought experiment, it's just, it's hard for but me I to head around it.
1: I think you're you're looking at the turtle as the ending point. You're looking at catching the turtle as a goal, but even like, that's like saying if you always divide something in half, will it ever go exactly, away?
0: That is exactly what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, but that's not over time. That's not the same as a race. Let's catch a we, rabbit
0: and a turtle and see, and play this out and see I if, wa- we, get, see if there, we get stuck into an infinite time loop. I'm like, let's imagine that you have a heap of sand. Do you know what a heap of sand is?
1: Uh, is heap a, an actual unit of measurement or is it just like a, we just have sand. You tell me what is a heap of sand?
0: Uh, substantial amount of sand. Okay. We have a <laughs> substantial amount of sand and then we remove one grain of sand and then we remove another grain of sand. And at what point does this no longer become a heap? Is it when there's two grains of sand? Three
1: left? I think it's more than that. Okay. It probably becomes something else. So if you're shoveling, right, I'm just gonna think if we're taking away bigger bigger pieces of sand, you take it away and eventually you end up with kind of like a flat layer of sand. I think that's hard to that's hard to come up with an exact period, but or like it's, when I don't think there's a number for grains that equal a heap. <laughs> it's that's that's
0: the challenge I have when I think about these you
1: things. Gotta, you got to you gotta go back to your definitions and your assumptions. That's why
0: I tried to corner you and yeah. you fell into my trap. <laughs> oh, here's a hard one. Where are you finding these? You're just making these up? Yes. Yeah, this is not, no, no one would recommend, these are not like interview questions that you can find. <laughs> no one's going to recommend these questions. This is a serious one though. Are you familiar with Abraham? So Abraham is, is someone who's given a very high position in Christianity, in Islam, and in Judaism. It's just kind of, we call him the, the father of those religions in some ways. Not the father, obviously. When God commanded Abraham to commit infanticide,
1: what was that about? I think it says in the New Testament, he, God or Abraham believed that God could raise his son even from the dead. So he just had faith. He said, this is the son who's received the covenant. So if God's asking me to do this, I have faith that God's going to find a way to keep it. How covenant. did he know that it was God and not the devil? I think he probably it. At that point, know? I mean, he saw God face to face. I think that that was probably a more direct command than maybe we would experience. And he also didn't necessarily have a lot of counsel. So I think the Lord would have to be very clear. There's no mistaking the divine encounter when, when you're in Abraham's state.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer, because that worries me a little bit that it could be the devil telling Abraham to do something bad, and then the devil is a deceiver, and he would yeah. say, no, I'm the Lord, obviously. Well, okay. I'm telling you to do something that's against the Ten Commandments, but trust me, it's me. Yeah,
1: and God would have to allow that, though, and there weren't any commandments then. The Ten Commandments didn't exist yet.
0: But those are, okay, now you're getting
1: back to this time idea. Uh, <laughs> So you think about, like, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, where it's like, it's not God's idea for Abraham to go and have a son through Hagar. That's Sarah's idea. There's no command there. Sarah's like, oh, just do this. This will solve our problems. And So I think Abraham's probably like, well, I think, uh, I mean, he's encountered God in the covenant. He's encountered him in telling him to leave his home and go to Canaan. He's encountered God when they came to the tent. This is a pretty profound encounter. Yeah. Now that's before
0: the Holy Spirit as well, correct? In your linear time-based model?
1: <laughs> well, you can't be before the Holy Spirit. I think the okay. Holy Spirit's always there. If you have, I mean, because it says in Genesis, you get the whole Trinity in like the first two verses of Genesis. It's
0: like, I feel like, did Jesus say, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit can come?
1: That's, that's after the incarnation. And you're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit's not there in Abraham. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not active. <sighs>
0: Just the way that Abraham interacted with God was different than the way that we interact with God,
1: I think it can be, but I think there are I think there are people who interact with God similarly to what Abraham did, but we've received greater revelation than Abraham had. He had like nothing to go off of. <laughs>
0: Have you heard of the ship of Theseus? It's a famous ship, but over the years it gets worn out and they I replace. was just
1: talking to somebody about this. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. So they
0: replace piece by piece until there are no pieces remaining of the original ship. The question is, is this the original ship or not? Which is a fun question to go through. The question I want to ask you though, little did you know, okay, you thought you'd prepared for this question. Little did you know that as we were replacing the pieces of that ship, we were actually taking the old pieces and reassembling a new ship. So now you have this ship that has been replaced piece by piece that keeps doing these little. It's still in the museum. You'd say, "Is this still the ship of Theseus?" You have this other ship that has all the original parts. You'd say, "Is that the ship of Theseus?" Which one is the true ship, and at which point did that change?
1: I don't think it changed. I think they're both the true ship. As soon as you two Theseus. Well, so if you, uh, yeah, I think so. I think you've got, uh, you throw a qualifier on there and you say, yeah, here's here's the ship. And then here's the ship with all the original pieces, right? So if you take, a, you take a board off, you put it to the side, that was still a part of the ship. You put a new board on, it's now part of the ship. The, sh- the identity of the ship is, it's kind of like assumed that piece. Now it's part of the ship. So if you remove every other piece gradually like that, that's why if you just build a new ship with new pieces, it's not that ship. But if it's piece by piece like that, then every time you add a new piece, it becomes part of that ship. You replace every single one and put a new one over here. And yeah, I think you end up with two, one of which has all of the original pieces. The other one has pieces that were at some point all a part of the ship. That's a weird scenario, but I think that's, yeah. You've got two different ships that can claim somewhat of the same identity with a qualifier.
0: That's good. Do pets get to go to heaven or just people?
1: Uh, it's a great question. So all things that are good reside in the will and the heart of God. So of course, they're going to be there in some capacity. Will they be there in the same capacity as human beings? It doesn't really like seem like it to me. I don't think it would, but that doesn't mean we wouldn't be able to kind of enjoy them in a sense to be outside of time. I'm sure that whatever it would be, it would be great and would be perfect. And we'd have a good understanding of this makes sense. I think I would tell my my girls and say, well, I don't really know fully. If you're outside of time and you're less of full knowledge, then you're going to be able to experience the fullness of that relationship, for lack of a better word, for all of eternity all the time, because that's part of the goodness of creation. So are they there? Yeah, I think so. But are they there the same way that a human soul is there? Probably not.
0: This is good practice for your, when your kids ask you these questions
1: yeah just... so God is omnipotent
0: and omnipresent but why what, why are there bombs falling in Ukraine no. First of all is God a god of love or of bombs
1: <laughs> God's a god of love
0: okay so if God is a god of love <laughs> why are there bombs attack you know why are there, why are bad things happening if God is all-powerful and all present?
1: The problem of evil powerful. why do bad things happen at all? Yes. Why? Yeah. Why can't we just have good things all the time? What yeah. that well, in order to have real love, you have to have free will. You can't have love without free will. So if God created us to experience and encounter and share his love, that means we have to have free will. And if we are created with free will, that means we have free will to choose evil. Other, otherwise, we wouldn't have a capacity to love.
0: You said part of your role was sales manager. How do you teach someone to bid a painting job if they're not the owner? I feel like yeah. that's something that only owners can okay.
1: do. You use Wallogy. Um <laughs> use production rates and that's, where, that's how I started. I think the harder thing is the intuition of, is this right? I always try to break it down. Okay, what, what's your number based on our labor percent? How much is that to the sub, right? So you work that and they say, okay, it's like two grand to the sub, okay. How many days of work is this and try to teach them the intuition just to do a double check feels like it's probably a two day project great then two, two grand is probably pretty good for these guys but they're like eh, it's maybe four days I'm like okay then your two grand's probably not enough you can kind of work it backwards that way having a benchmark of a really good system with metrics that you can just type in and put them in there you know you're going to get pretty close and then that element that human element to make adjustments that's a feel thing have
0: you had any hobbies And if not, are you now starting to have hobbies? I'm
1: at the point of of thinking about having hobbies again. (laughs) The business is stabilizing enough to also just having a young family. It's just crazy. I think hobbies are, yeah, spending time with my little girl, spending time with my sweet bride. I like to read. Reading's fun.
0: Well, what would you like to talk about these last 15 minutes?
1: Your hobbies is a good segue of, okay, we have young kids, wives, a business, friends, and other family and other interests and church and, and health, right? And sleep, like all the, those things you need. And so I've just been kicking around to people and saying, you know, I I have felt for the past four years, I can't actually do all of this well. I think you can do a lot of it well. Uh, It seems like you see people who are wildly successful and they've sacrificed family or sleep or both, or they've sacrificed friends. I think a lot of the grind culture would say, forget about all your friends and family for five years, go grind it out, make all your money, and then you can enjoy friends and family, which is almost like backwards solution to the retirement myth of like, oh, go work for 40 years and then you can enjoy yourself. It's like, oh, don't don't enjoy yourself for five years and then you can enjoy yourself. What are your thoughts? Do you always have to sacrifice something, you know, or- Can you do it all? Or can some people do it all?
0: I think it's good to get clear on what you want and to set not goals first, but objectives first. Set a direction before setting milestones. So what is the direction you want to head in physically? What is the direction you want to head in vocationally and why, direction you want to head in with your family and why, et cetera, et cetera. And what are the milestones that get you there? And you're never serving the goals. The goals are there just to make sure that you're heading in the right direction to keep you on target like that helps a lot. I personally have more of an inclination of thinking about balance in, in years or decades as opposed to every single day. Well, now, now it's hard because I'm mostly retired, so I'm, not, I'm gonna give you answers that aren't helpful.
1: Well, talk about when you were, when you were in it, when yeah. you're in the thick of when it. When I was in it,
0: I think the way that you have balance is through communication. I was all very sacrificial to my physical well-being and the amount of time I spent at home for a number of years as I was building my business. But there was a clear understanding on both of those fronts that this was going to be do today what others won't. So I can do it tomorrow. So we and I can do tomorrow what others can't. So there was good communication on that front. It doesn't mean that's easy. Doesn't mean that it always works out. It, it happened to work out for me. That's one way to do it, but it's not a right or wrong. It's more, what is your passion and, and what type of person are you and what's your wiring? Sometimes to be extraordinary requires, requires extraordinary effort. Just statistically extraordinary is not for everybody. It's for the right end distribution of the, of the curve. There's more to life than achieving things as well. It's more, we are, we are called human beings, not human achievings. So who are you being? What are you becoming? What directions are you heading to involve your life areas and those targets that you set are not whips. Those are simply milestones to help you move in that right direction. Those are, there's some realities to that too.
1: seems like with kind of the serial entrepreneur who keeps going, or it's like, at some point you have to stop. Your point is like you had the clear objective yeah, and then it's like, okay, when do you get there? And when you get there, how do you stop?
0: The objective should not be goals An objective vocationally. Might be maximize my abilities and talents in the marketplace, provide opportunities for others. I would call objectives pretty vague. You could even say like physically, what is your physical goals? You know, you want to be able to do as you're called to do and you want to treat your body like a temple. That's not something that you stop doing after you complete a race or something. But that doesn't mean that you still train as hard 365 days of the year. You can still hit those objectives through recovery and and chilling out for a little bit
1: what was your vocational objective?
0: Well, it's, it's the same thing right now. Okay. So I wanna provide opportunities for family engagement and development. And it, I want it to be a relationship building resource with my partners. So my objectives in my businesses and, and investments and real estate dealings are pretty much all relational. Am I providing opportunities of development for my kids and engagement? And is this a relationship building resource with my partners? Relationships are the gold standard of life. I would much rather have five really tight friends than an extra five million dollars in the bank yep. right I think everybody in their 50s 60s and 70s would make that trade 10 well person that I want to be would make that trade 10 times out of 10.
1: so that informs your work now where it's like because that's a question too about okay when you don't have to work right, what drives you and your point is the objective drives you and I like the
0: objective mindset because a lot can change too and the easiest way I described it is on the physical sense where I have those two objectives. One is I want to be able to do whatever I'm called to do. And I want to treat my body like a temple, acknowledging that the Holy Spirit resides within me. Now, right now I have two working legs and I like to run. And that's a good root habit that helps establish those things. There may be a day where I'm out running in the canyons and I slip on a rock and I break my femur, but I'm away from civilization and I get gangrene and oh golly, I got to amputate my leg. There's enough technology now where you probably could still run, but I'm probably not doing the crazy trail running I'm doing. So now all my goals just got wiped out because a lot of my goals are around ultra endurance trail events. So it's like, wow, shoot, what is my purpose physically anymore? When all my goals got wiped out, my Mm -hmm. purpose hasn't changed. That's kind of the nice part about it. You have that objective statement. Maybe you call it the purpose statement for your life areas. You have your macro life statement, obviously. That's the way I like to think about it because, There's a beauty to the chance in life and the uncertainty that we have. And the door is always ajar to what could be next. We're never supposed to serve our goals. Our goals are just meant to be guideposts that move us in the direction of what we want to become.
1: When did you start setting those objectives?
0: So I was 22. I'm 36. So 14 years ago, whatever year that was. And I've done it every quarter since.
1: When you're working like crazy. And how do you make sure you take that time to do that? The idea of a non-negotiable is great. How do you practically make a non-negotiable, non-negotiable?
0: I think everyone is capable of discipline to non-negotiables. I know know everybody is. And it's very crass and it's very crude, but it's an example I use all the time, which is like every time you go to the bathroom and you do number two, how consistently do you wipe? Well, you don't have to. You could choose not to there'd be an issue later on but you do you have to understand why you're doing something and then eventually you just fall in love with the standard you'd say why would i ever not eat healthy i hate i hate feeling terrible right yeah why would i want to feel terrible why would i ever not do some reflection preflection at the end of Definitely. the quarter? that'd be terrible i don't want to be wandering around aimlessly you fall in love with the outcome the outcome is what drives the discipline at some point now getting to where that is the standard is a challenge you can create guardrails internally or externally you know for myself this is something i just review every night it's my home screen but something i review every every week go through objective statements you have the goals so you set that up on a quarterly basis 13 weeks in a quarter so are you on track or off track with your goals you're not serving the goals but the goals are keeping you on track so it's good to have that discipline to keep moving forward and it'd be great if we didn't have to do that unfortunately i am like many people really bad at doing what i say i want to do unless i remind myself to do it well, this has been great talking with you, Adam. You were our second partner here at All Holdings.
1: Great story. We've been able to grow together. This has been beyond what I could have ever expected. So I'd encourage anybody who resonates with any part of my story to just reach out. It's changed our life. It's changed my family's life. It's changed all of uh, the lives of everybody who works at our company and who will work at our company. Great to have you on the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. So much fun. Thanks, Jason. We'll do it anytime. All right. Well, enjoy
0: the time with the fam. That sounds exciting.